0: Cindy's Choice is powered by integrity-centric businesses found at Cindy'sChoice.com. It's Cindy's Choice to be brave and make a difference. Cindy here and thank you for being here as I continue with my destitute to destiny story, kind of focused on the childhood right now. That's where it all begins. And a childhood with a sociopath mother. And we'll talk a little bit more and In another episode, I'll kind of dig into kind of that sociopath personality a little bit more. That's something important to, to understand Uh, that that's a, it's a mental illness is what it is. And my mother, uh, very mentally, very mentally ill. I still do not know who my biological father is or was. I have no idea. We were alienated from so much family because that's what sociopaths do. They can't stay anywhere very long at all. They they wear out their welcome. And that's a lot what happened with us. We were moving around constantly. So I'd kind of left off where kind of... I, I didn't cover much before the divorce uh, from my stepfather, my mo- mom divorcing my stepfather. But there was, a, there was a bit of dysfunction there. There was some stuff, disturbing things in my childhood, even before then. But when it really got bad was uh during the when the divorce happened and I I became completely neglected and so you know we I shared a little bit about some adventures early on and so there's we're still in Jacksonville uh, Jacksonville Beach Florida and uh, you know it, it at this point along the way I had started actually running away because I was alone a lot I mean Completely alone. And I do, like I, I talked about things that happened where I'm like, I don't know where my little sister was. And I do remember, you know, me and my little sister being at the house alone a bit. But there was a lot of times it was just me. And I'm not really sure, you know, what what was going on then. But even when we were both left there, there was uh, times there was no food. When there was food, like I said, it was white bread and jelly and Fruit Loops. It was just a sugar carb kind of diet so um not not good nutrition whatsoever but the reason I'd run away was when my mom was there (laughs) I was walking on eggshells because like the slightest thing would send her into a rage and here I am now like 11-ish and she would have these just crazy rage fits directed at me to the point where you know she's taking a broom and you know hitting me with a broom as hard as she can, and you know what do you do <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't going to fight my mother back that just that wasn't my nature <laughs> so I'd run away and so here I'm eleven years old you know running out of the house to try to go find some place to safe to hang out for a while and uh, or hang out till she left <laughs> so if this was the evening you know I'm running out of the house in the evening all alone and i'm Pretty metro kind of area, and I remember one of my go-to spots when I'd run away. I'd found a rooftop, and I could go. It, it was um, the back of the house. You know, you had your a- your HVAC, your AC unit, and I'd figured out I could climb on top of that unit, and that would help me get on top of the kind of like a screened-in porch. I could get on that roof, and then that would allow me to get to the next roof level. Then there was this super pitched area if I got up that real steep pitch and got on the other side, there was actually a hidden space on top of the roof because it pitched out all four directions. And so there I'd sleep out under the under the stars uh, so that I could feel safe and stay hidden. And then I would wait till I saw, you know, I'd go back and make sure my mom's car wasn't there and go back into the house. And Usually I wouldn't see her again for a while because she was hardly ever there. But um, none of that was ever mentioned, though. When she did come back, it wasn't like, where did you go? Where were you? Or anything like that. And there's another, um, there were other times, uh, you know, places that I would run away. And um, I, I guess I'll mention that later as I as I get farther in the story. But no food, running away. The, the brief times my mother was there. Uh, it was very chaotic, very stressful. And it, it was also tricky because the neighborhood wasn't good. You know, it it was a house, it was on a busy street, but everything like going the other direction was leading into a really bad neighborhood, which was where my school was in that neighborhood. And I had to walk through a really rough neighborhood at 11 years old um, on my own to get to school. And there was some uh, Really scary incidents a few times where I got followed or stalked and, and so forth like that. Um, it, it, and I had to get my myself up at that age and get to school on time. And, um, you know, it, of course, I was going to say and get fed, but I didn't. I didn't get fed. And what was really rough is back then they gave you little, if you were on the lunch program, the free lunch program, they gave you little tickets. And when you got, you know, to the end of the, the line to pay for your food... And you'd have to give that little ticket to the lunch lady and then all the other kids saw you give your ticket to the lunch lady. So guess what? Then you were ostracized by all the other kids. and so guess what? <laughs> I didn't eat lunch. so I didn't have any food at home and I didn't want to get tormented at school so I didn't eat at school either. Uh, it, it was just craziness and there's you know I can't help but you know there's so many children I'm telling you that deal with that. Um, I help with some, um, ministries and support systems. And that's a lot, what's been so horrible about COVID is so many children at home. And a lot of times, the only times those kids get to eat is when they're at school. So it, it's a real situation that I experienced. And um, it just, it, it, it just was, you know, as I, I'm sitting here processing with you, and as I just think back, it, it just was kind of a, you know, survival day, kind of like, What's the next thing, you you know, you got to do to get through, to get through the day. And of course we moved a lot. So, uh, and of course my mom had a lot of boyfriends. So there was a lot of times if I did get to see her, there was a man with her. And I even remember an incident, you know, so funny how protective I was of my mother. I was just this protector. I'm still, I'm still that protector. And, uh, so a lot of times if she, if she was there, which was kind of good if she had a boyfriend with her, because then she wasn't going to like have a rage fit at me. She'd put on her show. She put on her, I'm such a wonderful mother show. And I remember though one incident, uh, she'd rushed home and she locked the door and then she ran in her bedroom and opened the window. And what happened, one of her boyfriends was angry and had followed her there. So she was talking to him through the window through like a screen window well I guess he sweet talked her and she went on outside and she's you know I don't remember if she instructed me to kind of keep an eye out or what but I was watching and at some point he had his hands around her throat and had her like pushed backwards on the vehicle that on his vehicle so I went and grabbed my baseball bat here I am 11 years old (laughs) And I'm I run out on the front porch and I'm in my batting stance and you know I yell at this very angry grown man that he needed to take his hands off my mama and you know he kind of you know let go and and was I guess he was aware someone was watching then and and then and even then my mom kind of yelled at me and you know told me to get back in the house and I went back in the house and you know it's funny as I recall that so I wasn't protected at all. There was no one looking out for me, and here I was so eager to look out, you know, and to protect my mother. And in that, it, it horrified me that um, this man was hurting her. But there were there was a lot of men. Um, I remember. Uh, I think the next place we lived, it was a boyfriend, and I actually kind of hoped that one was going to work out. We moved into a really nice neighborhood, and he bought me a baseball glove. And I remember us going out in the yard and playing baseball. And I was like, wow, he, I, it was awesome. He was giving me some, like, healthy attention. But, of course, that relationship didn't last long. Like I said, sociopath, they they were their welcome out pretty quickly. And then the next boyfriend uh, came along. And I think, you know, mom really liked him. And he took off and moved to Texas. We're in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. He moved to Texas. So guess what? We're off to another move. <laughs> so we're like taking off and moving to Texas. And I really did. Um, I liked him because they ended up like being in a, in a common law, you know, relationship for a while, and it was craziness. I, I she would keep leaving him, and you know, we were like in West Texas San Angelo, and there was like three times in a two year period that we moved to Dallas and then they would get back together and we would move to San Angelo. And so take it, I'd like gone all the way across there, gone into a new school and got settled in and boom, there we'd go off to Dallas. Well, we didn't end up standing, staying in Dallas long. So she didn't even bother to enroll us in school. So I'd be out of school for like a month and then going back to San Angelo, re-registering and so forth like that. And I remember one of the reasons I really liked him is, we'd move back to San Angelo and, you know, I just barely got established at the last school there. And when we moved back, we're in a different school district. And he was so kind because a uh, mom didn't care, you know, she's like, uh, just deal with it. And he would actually get up early and take me to school so that I could transfer to the school that I at least kind of had gotten a start in before and I just appreciated that so much because it was just some kind of example of someone that cared and I uh, and the simplest little thing too is while I was getting ready in the morning um, he would make me a hot chocolate to go and you know making me a hot chocolate to go and driving me to school in the morning was one of the most precious gifts I received as a young girl and then I was able to ride the city bus home and but you know he, he found a way to make that work. And I really appreciated that. Because that was a tough time. I, you know, I was getting older. And you know, I mentioned about how, you know, my mom, I mean, fashionista, she looked good, very attractive lady. She looked great all the time. But there's just, you know, there was never any shopping going on for me, except I remember one time, and it's around this time we were living in San Angelo. And I got invited to the football banquet. And I get invited by like one of the you know major football stars, and it's a kind of big deal and I'm so excited well, um I end up getting a homemade dress to wear to the football banquet is a it was a formal dress, but it was homemade it wasn't um appropriate for the event uh even though they were wearing leisure suits back then but I, I didn't have shoes to wear, and honest to goodness, this is the only shopping trip I ever remember making with my mother, and we went to Kmart, and I needed shoes, and um, I'm really dating myself here, but I don't know if y'all remember, there was this, uh, it was a plastic white slide shoe that your grandmother would wear around the house. It, it was like a plastic house slipper, and you know, they were probably like $3 or something, that's what my mother bought me to wear to the football banquet and uh, you know it, it when you're a young person it, it, it's weird and in with my personality and so forth you, you know it, it's i just kind of had to block it out i just had to just that's what i had and that's what i went with and um it it, it just was it, it just was uh I don't know. It's just sad, isn't it? It's just really sad. And I don't, you know, I can share this now because I don't, it's not me anymore. That little girl isn't me. And when I get sad, it's because I'm thinking of the little girls that are going through that right now. I mean, it's not just me. So many people are dealing with with such things and so much worse. And the so much worse would be where... It, it, now she's um I, I, she started putting me to work, and this led to other kind of pedophile incidents. Uh, the first job wasn't so bad. Uh, her boyfriend owned a cafe uh, out in the country, but it was more kind of like a truck stop because it was on the highway. And it catered to a lot of the farm industry and truckers and so forth. So it was really 99% men that came to the restaurant. And I remember one summer I worked breakfast, lunch, and dinner <laughs> and worked hard because it would fill up, you know, it was like the only place for some miles in that area. And I, you know, I never saw a penny. I, I, even my tips, I took home and gave to my mother to contribute to the household. Here I was, maybe I was what, 13 now. And I'm like, you know, like I said, I, I can't have a nice dress to wear to, to prom or even some decent shoes. Um, and my clothing was very limited as well. If if she didn't take me shopping, I don't even remember where the clothes came from, but they were always ill fitting and nothing really, you know, stylish or anything like that. But even when I made money, I, I wasn't allowed to, to utilize that for anything for myself. So that was, um, uh, and that kind of exposed me to some things that probably, you know, weren't too appropriate, uh, for my age. But the next time I remember going to work is my mom uh, had me go to work for her boyfriend's brother detailing cars. He had a detail shop. So I would go there and detail, you know, the cars and so forth. And I noticed, you know, he made me very uncomfortable. He was uh, not just with what he said to me, but what he would say about other girls and women and stuff. But, you know, it was a work environment, other people around and Um, just that was the worst that it made me uncomfortable. Well, then um, my she wanted me to go clean his apartment. Well, and that was, you know, a job. You you know, that was my job yet I didn't get paid. And um, she would have me go clean his apartment. But he would go home while I was cleaning his apartment. And of course, he started trying to have an adult relationship with me. And you know, it was, it's very confusing at that age. And it's really hard to, that you don't understand if something's happening with uh, like authority figures and so forth like that, you, you kind of try to reason it out to some degree. And um, I I remember, you know, just kind of trying to kind of play along, but not let it get too far kind of thing. And But being very uncomfortable with it, but there's no way I was going to tell my mother. I mean, it was a paid job, so she was getting paid for me to be there. But at some point, he did, you know, start pushing the limits. And just as I'd done before, you know, I did my break and run kind of thing. But it was so confusing because this was happening, and my mother would actually tell me that he had a reputation for, uh, you know, being inappropriate with young girls and so forth like that, and it's and even then I kind of recognized her attitude about it, but I I just wouldn't process it. I just wouldn't think about it too long. But it's almost like she was, um, almost trying to encourage me <laughs> to do you know what she got paid for me to do, and. It was really strange because, uh, you know, she, she'd start questioning me about how he was with me and I just would freeze up and go, Oh no, no, no. I didn't, you know, I wouldn't say too much because either way, if I'd complained about him, that wouldn't have been good for me. But then if other, I was so afraid she was going to keep grooming me to comply so she could profit from that. And I could feel that happening yet when you're a child denial denial is your survival so i would just try to you know shorten a conversation as much as possible and you know get away from the situation as quickly as i could and i don't remember what kind of made that stop maybe when i didn't when i would break and run and you know the the deal wasn't done <laughs> that would uh, but it, things had gotten pretty far and pretty scary and Um, you know, that there, there was the molestation was still done. It's just I broke and run ran before, um, how do things went too far. And, um, you know, I I guess it it, to the point where it, it would have been rape, you know, past that Of course he had raped me, but it would have been, you know, full rape, I guess you'd say to keep it in appropriate terms. I don't know. But You know, that, it it took me a while to really accept and realize that, you know, what my mom was trying to do and uh, how she, uh, she was intentionally trying to corrupt me and exploit me and, you know, benefit from me that way. It took me a long time, even though I I was very aware of it at the moment. You just, you just won't accept that. You, You push it down real, real deep. And you become this Pollyanna positive, (laughs) (laughs) kind of out there, kind of constantly looking for the good in everybody. And that, that, I don't know if that's where that came from, but that was me. And I kept getting out there and kind of looking for the good in everyone. But that, that was a tough time. That was like, you know, your middle school years. And a couple of times we, like I said, we just leave and go move to Dallas for a month, six weeks or something. And I remember one of her boyfriends there. Um, we moved in and, uh, we, you know, we we all, we weren't there very long. Um, we moved in, we were all three like crammed in a very small room. It was kind of cool. It was a ranch and I got to ride a horse and so forth like that, but that didn't last very long. And then the next, the next one that we moved in with, he, um, we had to be woken up in the middle of night because they were fighting and squabbling. And I think she wasn't following through with what he expected from her and we had to leave and you know move out in the middle of the night and um all of our stuff was in storage and I I think he like stole or kept a lot of the stuff from storage and hey you're going you're going to want to hear about this that this is uh I'll continue right there in the next podcast but um there's a pretty interesting story of what she put us up to at that point But you're just going to have to keep continuing. I just thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for the third installment of the Cindy's Choice podcast. And I'm going to leave you with, hey, leave with love. Get out there. Make good choices. And we'll see you again soon. Overcoming major life challenges that left Cindy homeless and alone on the city streets puts her in a unique position to make an impact. Contribute to the cause by utilizing the integrity-centric businesses found at cindyschoice.com. Thank you for being a part of our mission for change, because we can do so much more together.